You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Oliver Manley Show. It's been a while since we've been in touch. Thank you for allowing me to grace your earbuds, your eardrums. It's an honor. Last year was a little bit of a shit show when it comes to this show. I wanted to have 52 episodes in the bank by the end of 2017 and... We had 15. Well, that's kind of what it is. We start projects, we kind of stumble and fumble forward, and that's all good. I'm okay with that. I'm just really excited to be back with you all and sharing this conversation. And what we're interested here in this show is to just have conversations that give us a sense of empowerment, of insight, of new new freedom to, to live our lives in a way where it's more aligned with who we see ourselves being in the future, a way that is more aligned with our true nature, our essence. And before we get into the amazing guest that we had on the sh- we have on the show today, I just wanted to make a quick invitation for you to sign up for my email newsletter, Oliver's Picks. And this is the top five things every single week that I'm absolutely in love with, learning, listening to, enjoying, or have found extreme value in offering some of my clients. So if you want to take some of the insights that you gather from these episodes a little bit further, a little bit deeper, you want to continue the conversation, I recommend that you sign up for my newsletter, olivermanalise.com forward slash picks. And uh, for today, we have the amazing Corey Chadwick. If you don't know Corey, Corey is the founder of the Personal Greatness Project. You can find his website, personalgreatnessproject.com. And he is a super charismatic, energetic, passionate human being who is really about turning, you know, change, supporting people so that they can become the greatest version of themselves. It's such an incredible story that we go through. He talks about the adversities that he's had that have led up to this, this creation of creating leaders who are responsible for their destinies, who are accessing new levels of power and possibility in their lives. And some of those adversities, a lot of us might not have had those direct types of experiences, but I know that you'll get so much value just from hearing what he went through in his brain virus that he found out when he was a teenager, a tragic event that happened in his 20s and how it turned into this rock bottom, but also an opportunity for him to realize that if this is the worst life can get, then there's the best that life can get. Like there's a possibility for the best and I'm going to strive for that. He talks about you know, acknowledging when you're actually settling, when you're settling for eight out of 10 in areas of your life and kind of having the courage to go and step into the possibility of going for the 10, the 10 out of 10 in your life. We talk about so many different things and he has such a great way of weaving personal experiences and stories to deliver these beautiful pieces of wisdom and insight. And I know you'll get so much value from this if you know anybody, if you have any any person in your life that might benefit from a training or a workshop or a conversation with Corey, please go to personalgreatnessproject.com and do make the connection, start the conversation. And uh, if you get value from this, of course, please find a way to share this with your community, whether it's through social media or just sending it via email or, or sharing the link of... T- of this episode via text to somebody that you love and care about. And that is really the way that we kind of spread the word besides going on iTunes and writing us a review. That means so much. If you can write a five-star review that 
increases the visibility of the show and it allows more people to be exposed to some of the great people, the great guests, the great ideas of the show. And that is all. I am so excited to share this incredible episode with Corey Chadwick with you all. Enjoy. I am here with Corey Chadwick, the founder of Personal Greatness Project, and the website is personalgreatnessproject.com, and it is such an honor to have you here, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'd love to know, if you're open to it, what your low light and highlight was in the last 12 months. Ooh, um, yeah, okay. I would say the low light came right at the beginning of last year when I was at a place in my work where I really wasn't, I wasn't completely aligned with what I was doing. Like I was on the path. I knew I, I knew things felt pretty good, but just something about it wasn't right. And it was really causing me to doubt myself in the work I was doing. I felt like I was playing small. I felt like I was doing certain things or focusing on certain things, maybe for the wrong reasons. And what was really tough about that was I didn't know where to adjust to. I didn't know what changes to make to get me on the right track. And so I was fearing that I might not be able to continue the work that I wanted to be doing because the pieces weren't coming together the way I hoped. So that was, that was a low, like that was, that was really scary. Uh, not entirely sure. And the highlight. Hold on, before you get into that, what, yeah. so what does that feel like? What's the experience of your life when you feel that way? Well, I would say the really tough part about this was I, my entire life has been about connecting with purpose. Like from the time I was really, really young, it's, it's the most true feeling that I've ever had. The most real, honest feeling I've ever had is that, that there's some sort of purpose here that I need to connect with. And throughout my life, I've been pulled by that, not really knowing what direction that's going to go into, but that's why I sold my business. I was in the, the restaurant and bar business. I was doing great. And it was it was a great business. I was doing really well for myself to everybody else that looked awesome. It was one of those things where all the external check marks were there and it just something wasn't there. And it was that lack of purpose for me. And it caused me to sell my business. It caused me to, to make a whole bunch of life decisions along the way, mm-hmm. um, all which I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for. But fast forward to this point in my life about a year ago where I finally felt like I was on the track where I was connecting with it. Uh, and something about it wasn't right. And that was really frustrating for me because I thought you took all this time to get here. You're finally here. You're finally connecting with purpose in a way that you never have before. So much of this feels right. And then there's a, there's a significant part of this that isn't clicking. Hmm. And it's, it's deflating. It's really deflating because I kind of just assumed really that if I kept working on it and I kind of stayed on the path my whole life, that all these answers would come to me when they needed to come to me. And for the most part, they really have, even though some real, there's been some real tough times along the way, but eventually you get the answers you're looking for. So this wasn't just something that wasn't working out for me. It kind of felt like my whole life pointing in a direction hit a roadblock and that sucked. It was, it was, it was really hard. It was making me reevaluate a lot 
or evaluate a lot, I should say, and then reevaluate and trying to just understand where it is I was going next. And, you know, you've got your purpose driving you. You've got this feeling in you that you're meant to be someone or do something or accomplish something. And at the same time, I've got a wife, a son, a mortgage, right? It's, it's not like you can chase dreams your whole life and not, not, uh, not be grounded. And I've never lacked the grounding, but I really believe that every single one of us has something great inside of us waiting to come out. And I was not going to be the exception to that rule. Um, but it was, it was tough. Um, it was tough pushing through. It really was. But, but I guess at the end of the day, there was no other answer, right? The, the other answer was looking back and wondering for the rest of your life, what would have happened if I kept pushing? What would have happened if I believed in myself no matter what? And I couldn't stomach the idea of, of living with that kind of regret. So I kept pushing. Nice. Well, that's, I mean, that seems to me the regrets, that's the number one thing to avoid. Mm -hmm. And with all the work that you are up to and what you are doing, that's really what it's about. It's to do what's necessary now to have access to your greatness so that you don't have, you know, you're not 90, 95, a hundred years old looking back with those, with those regrets. Yeah. Big time. Big time. I, I'll regularly do something I call the deathbed test where I fast forward in my life to exactly what you said, 90, 95, and pretend that I'm looking back on my whole life hmm. and, and evaluating going, what kind of a life did I live? That's if the check-in. Right? That's the check-in. Yeah, right. And, and if I can't say definitively that I lived a kick-ass 10 out of 10 kind of life, then I'm doing something wrong right now hmm. and I need to change it. And being able to gain that sort of perspective as opposed to always being stuck in the right here, right now with blinders on, um, it's, it's really led to some incredible things and figuring things out in a way that I think we all need to figure out for ourselves, looking at things in the big picture. What kind of a life do I want to live? Who do I want to be versus how do I fit into someone else's box and just do things the same way they've always been done? That's not greatness. That's mediocrity. That's settling, man. That is big time settling. That's just repeating the past. So that was your low light. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your highlight. So in all of that self-doubt and trying to figure things out, I, it forced me to, to really pay attention to what that fire was. And that fire really is taking a stand against mediocrity and for our personal greatness. And our personal greatness let me be clear, we're not all meant to be Steve Jobs or Zuckerbergs and not everybody wants to lead an army of a million people. It's not that, right? It's just everybody's got something great in them waiting to come out. And I knew that mine was there. I felt like I was just on the cusp of it, but I wasn't quite playing big enough yet. And that's what started the Personal Greatness Project. That was me taking a stand for our personal greatness and against mediocrity and putting together the pieces that I feel are absolutely necessary to, to realize your personal greatness, uh, your personal greatness and live the kind of life you're capable of being, be who you're capable of being. It's, it's understanding it. It's easiest for me to understand it like an operating system. So the same way your computer or your phone has an operating system, windows, apples, OS or Apple OS, whatever it is. 
Um, but that operating system gets upgraded every year, right? Tech changes so quickly. So it needs to, it needs to be upgraded. It needs to catch up so it can perform at an optimal level. If you're getting rid of the bugs, right? If, if your computer performed at the most basic level, uh, I wouldn't be doing the trick for you. And we've got operating systems that have never been updated. They've never been upgraded. True. Right. The world's changing just as quickly around us. We're working with the same operating system we've always had, and it really pushes us to be mediocre. It's a real struggle to break out of mediocrity when you're working with the original version of Windows instead of working with Windows 10, right? So that's, that's exactly what the Personal Greatness Project is. It's an upgrade to your operating system so you can do more, be more, accomplish more, love your life more, be happier, be more successful without it having to be a strain. Love that. And I, I especially love that, it, you know, what you're talking about. It's not about trying to be Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or anything like that. And that's the personal part in Personal mm -hmm. Greatness Project. It's your own unique individual expression of your greatness. Of your greatness. Yeah. And you might be the next Jobs or Zuckerberg, but you might not care about doing that either. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to be them. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to be them. They don't have, yeah, the, 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 I'm not interested in that type of lifestyle. And I, that's why I like what your message is. It's individual greatness. It's like, well, this is how I want my life to be. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to align my, all my efforts towards. So for yeah. the people who, who are listening, who might not know who you are, what's your, uh, can you give us a little introduction? Yeah. How much of an intro do you want? Uh, <laughs> Whatever works. Um, all right. Uh, well, like I mentioned, going through, through my whole life with this feeling of purpose, it was really big to me. I always felt like I had a whole bunch of potential, not knowing how that was going to play itself out or what it was going to look like, but another constant theme throughout my life. Um, went through some tough times growing up. It, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Uh, my, uh, my parents were on again, off again, on again, off again, and never really knew where I was going to be living as with mom, with dad, I, I, my parents are going to be together or apart. That was tough. Kind of felt like a pawn in the game. You don't really have much control over what's going on. Uh, fast forward a little bit. So here I am as a teenager. I'm just trying to figure out who I am and how I fit in and where I'm heading. A boatload of insecurities like everybody that age is trying to figure out who you are. And I contract this freak rare brain virus. It knocked me out of commission for seven months. It took seven months just to diagnose it. So that whole time, just waiting to find out if I'm going to live or die. Um, if I do get to live, what's my life going to look like? Am I going to be in a hospital bed the rest of my life? I, I don't know. And again, here's this theme of powerlessness, just mm -hmm. being at the mercy of life. Um, but they diagnosed it. Uh, got back to normal as far as I know. Anyway, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to, um, how old are you again? Like Dr. House, just one of those type <laughs> of guys who, who figured out what it was. How old were you again? That was 16. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was I'd a rough be, night for sure. I'd be traumatized. Yeah. Like, did you find yourself hypervigilant? I, I found myself a lot of the time saying that this wasn't going to define me, right? That no matter what happened, it's almost like, almost like I, almost like I, like I get, this is going to happen whether or not I want it to. 
there's really nothing I can do to, to control this, but, but I don't have to let it beat me. Um, that was really the first time that I remember starting to take a stand, getting a, a taste of taking a stand for myself in life's not going to be easy and nobody's doing you any favors by telling you that it will be. I'd much rather be prepared for the hard times than be blindsided by them. And uh, just taking a stand for, for that, that it wasn't going to beat me. So as much as it was, I was, I was worried and, and didn't know what was going to happen and just had a, a ton of unanswered questions. I don't really remember being that scared. Wow. It was just, I think I had this, I remember having this faith that everything was just going to work out, but I was basing that on nothing. Yeah. Right? I was like all the say. evidence was pointing in a different direction. <laughs> like, was that, do you feel like that was instilled on you in some way? Did you have an example of that? No, in other fact, people? I, I really didn't. So uh, it was almost innate. Like it was inside of you. Just yeah. kind of spoke to yourself in a way, which was, it's going to work out. It's all going to work out. Um, I, I believe that my entire life. It's it's one of those things that really bothers my wife when I always tell her, <laughs> it's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out great. And she says, yeah, but how do you know that? And I say, because it always does. And it always will. But you can't sit there and cross your fingers and hope it works out great. You got to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But go make it happen then. I don't know. I, I suppose in that case, I couldn't have made it happen in that I could make my, my, uh, that virus go away, but I can certainly take a stand for who I want to be and how I want to live my life that way, regardless of which way it goes. And how did you treat that new, that good news? When it was diagnosed? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you were, you were cleared of it and mm. you were kind of complete with it. Now it's in the past. Yeah, I was just excited to get back to being a normal teenager, to go back to school, right, right? to get to be with my friends again, to eventually start playing hockey again. Um, it took it all took a bit of time, but but to get back to that level was just so exciting for me just to be living a normal teenager's life again and going back to my being afraid to ask out girls and <laughs> you know, things like that. versus um, am I going to die? And well, yeah, right. It's, it's, uh, what what a difference! Yeah, big time. Sometimes we, th we think like, wow, we have some problems and worries and stresses. And then you hear stories like this, where it's just like, oh, shit can get worse. Well, it can always get worse. It's humbling. Like it's a, to me, it's humbling because it's, it's, we have to kind of step outside of ourselves to just appreciate, oh, wow, the, it could be worse. Like, mm. of course, there's work to do and maybe things aren't the way we want it to be right now, but it could be worse. And it just helps us reframe the conversation with ourselves. Yeah. Like there's so much to actually be grateful for. There's a ton to be grateful for. Yeah. There's always going to be a ton to be grateful for as long as you look for it. Cause it's not always obvious. And especially when you're in the middle of something brutal, it's, yeah. it's certainly not obvious then, but yeah, you train yourself to look for it and you'll see it everywhere. So that was a huge defining moment for you then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It was That's an um, important chapter. And what followed? Uh, the next defining moment, um, the, the big, probably the biggest one, uh, my mom was bipolar. She struggled with that a lot and she, she really wanted to keep that from us. She didn't want to, I don't know if she didn't want to burden us or she didn't want us to know whatever it was, but she, she really 
kept that pretty tight to the vest, at least as far as we were concerned. But it got worse and worse and worse. It wasn't the kind of thing she could hide. Eventually, I get a call one day that that mom tried to take her own life. And that really rocked me. You know, this idea that I know that she's struggling. I know that times are, are really hard for her. I know that there's nothing I can do to help, which is just a, it's that feeling sucks. Powerless sucks. Totally powerless, right? Like here's this theme again of, of powerlessness. Um, and thinking like, holy crap, mom just tried to kill herself. This is, this is really real. And a few months later, I get another call. Same thing. Mom tried again. And every time my phone would ring. So this is right. This is like right at the beginning of, of cell phones and uh, and call display kind of thing. So I didn't know who was calling. So every time the phone would ring, uh, I would freeze. I would just freeze because I thought this could be the call. Like this could be the call. And that lasted a good year, a good year of, of just that, that terrible feeling. Like and, on edge. Uh, completely on edge, never knowing what's going on. Never, and knowing that again, I can't do anything about it right? I would literally have to sit beside her and hold her hand 24 seven to stop her from doing something that she was determined to do. And all I would have to do is go to school one day and she could do it. Right. So that, that was really, really tough. It just started feeling like an inevitability because it wasn't getting better. The doctors weren't able to treat it. Uh, and it was inevitable because one day I got the call that the mom was gone, that she did it. And I remember that day. I remember every detail of that day. It was, it, it just, it really rocks you. Um, I don't know how else to say that. It, it really rocked me. It put me at such a low point in my life because I, I was starting to feel here that no matter what happened, no matter how much life threw at me, I could keep trying to get back up, but it just would keep getting heavier and it would keep getting worse. And it kind of felt like life was laughing at me at this point. Like you can get up as much as you want. We're just going to keep kicking your ass. So if you know, it's good for you, just stay down. Uh, and that's when I started, started really thinking about staying down. Um, I started thinking this could be my future too. My mom was bipolar. My grandmother was bipolar. And you had a brain virus. And I had a brain virus. Why aren't I just going to end up exactly like them? And if that's the case, I don't want to go through that. And maybe I just call it quits right now. And I knew that, that nobody would blame me, right? You know that people would say, like, we get it. It's, it's hard and it keeps coming at you. And eventually you just can't keep fighting anymore and you give up. And I think it was in that, in that thought pattern, in that understanding of where I was at, that I didn't care that people wouldn't blame me. Like, what is that going to do for me? And do I really want to call it quits right now? Am I going to stop? Like, yeah, this is really, really hard, but am I really ready to stop? Or do I want to keep going? And this is when I really had this, this, this light bulb went off for me that, this was the lowest point I'd ever been in my life. And I'm thinking this is the worst it can get. And then thinking if there's a worst, there has to be a best. 
right? Like I'm not a mm. physics major here, but that just makes sense to me. If there's a worst, there has to be a best. So of course, if I'm going to keep going, what does that look like? What does the best look like? And I took a stand for myself right there that I was going to live the greatest, most amazing, happy, fulfilled life I possibly could. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea how I was going to figure it out or what questions I needed to answer or what questions to even ask. But I just promised myself I would do it. It's like a new beginning for you. It was a new beginning. And it's... How long did it take for you to get to that point from like, maybe I should just stay down all the way up to the point where you're just like, wow, if this is rock bottom, if this yeah. is the worst, the best is possible. Like the best exists somewhere. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how long it took. What I do remember is that leading up to to all of that, as much as it, it rocked my world when mom died, it didn't shock me, right? I had been a year in you were expecting for it. this kind of thing. So when it happened, there was it was actually a, a, a peaceful feeling in a lot of ways that mom wasn't struggling anymore. She wasn't fighting this anymore. She wasn't in pain anymore. I took, uh, I found peace in that. And also just personally that I wasn't worried. I didn't have to worry anymore. And I wasn't on edge anymore. Uh, I wasn't worried about that next phone call. Um, so as sad as it was and as heartbreaking and devastating as it really was, there was peace in it. And that really helped me get closure and start moving on. And so that transition period wasn't all that long. It was, I mean, I want to say it was only uh, maybe a couple of weeks after mom actually died that, that I really started thinking this way, but that was a rough couple of weeks. Yeah. Probably the longest few weeks. It was You're look, I'm very grateful to have all the people in my life surrounding me, all the support for my brother, for my dad. My parents weren't together at the time. They'd been apart for quite a while by that point, but still just we're all in this together and we're all dealing with this. And, and my, my, uh, my uncles, my mom's brothers, right. And, uh, it was just, it was a really, really hard time for all of us, but we had a ton of support. We had a lot of people loving us, um, and there for us, which really, really helped. And, uh, I think deep down, I always knew who I was and what I was capable of, even though I didn't understand what that was going to be. I just hear, here's that thing, that constant feeling, that constant theme that keeps pulling me forward and pulling me up when I'm down and, and just pushing me to keep charging forward, I guess. So I think that really, as much as anything was key in, in putting these pieces together. I can't even imagine what that would be like to go through that. And I, I could also see that, that opening there for you to choose one way or another. I can stay down or I can work my butt off and achieve my best life. Mm -hmm. And there's, and the whole thing that you said about people who would, they would get it. Yeah. Look at, look at what you went through. Of course you're going to stay down. Like if you stayed in that direction, people would not blame you. Yeah. That's an intense experience yeah. to have, but to choose otherwise, like that's what to me speaks a lot about you and your character. 
Well, I love what you just said about choosing, right? Because that's when it really dawned on me that everything is a choice. Like really everything is a choice. Hmm. And this all comes down to the decisions that we make and the decision that you make about who you want to be and what kind of life you want to live. When I asked myself those questions, I had to answer them. You can't just not answer that question when you ask it. And realizing that this is a choice and and anything from from worst to best and everything in between is a choice. So you can choose your five out of 10 or your six out of 10, or you can choose your 10 out of 10. You can choose your two out of 10, whatever, but you can pick anything that you want. I've learned a lot or a ton since then, but one of these really important things is that it is not easier to live a five out of 10 life than it is a 10 out of 10 life. It's a lot harder. It takes so much effort. It takes so much effort. <laughs> so much effort. It is so much hard work to tread water in life. Oh it's my goodness. It's so much easier to, to thrive. Surviving is hard. Thriving is not hard. Learning how to, how to thrive, it takes work. It takes effort, but less so than surviving. Right? It's Because complete... you're lit up. I yeah. think because you're lit up and you're excited and you have a purpose that's so big and you're, you want to grow yourself in that direction. Well, that's just it. You're growing yourself, right? When you, when you're growing yourself, if you think of it like a, like a tool belt, if you were going to go build a house, would you do it with just a, a screwdriver and a hammer or would you fully equip yourself with all the tools that you need to, to really build an awesome house? Life is the same way. You can equip yourself with, all the best tools and skills and strategies and gain an understanding of who you want to be and how you want to achieve what you want to achieve, or you can cross your fingers and hope everything works out. Okay. Well, which one do you think is going to pay off? Right. So building that house with a, with just two tools is a lot of work. That is really, really hard. But when you've got a full, a full toolkit, you've got a team, you've got the plans and the understanding and all these things working together. Well, that's a lot easier. And I can promise you your house is going to look a whole lot nicer. And, and just, uh, I don't know, like there's only one way to do it for me, right? It's, it's why would you do it any other way? Why would you make it harder and get less? So you've brought up taking a stand many times. And I love that. And I would love for you to elaborate on what that actually means. Um, taking a stand makes it a non-negotiable, right? I think that people... We'll talk a lot about here's the things, here are the things I want to do, or here are the things I want to accomplish. Here's the kind of person I want to be. But as soon as going gets tough, you fall off track, you lose your way. It's just a great example. A simple example is just people with exercise. Like people have to set New Year's resolutions and say, well, I'm going to start taking better care of myself and I'm going to exercise and I'm going to eat better and, and whatever, but it just doesn't happen. It's a struggle and you try hard and you try hard, but it only lasts four, six weeks and then it falls apart. Sounds and, about right. Yeah. And that's just, <laughs> that's normal, right? So the taking the stand means no matter what, mm. this is it. Like my entire life is pointing towards this one North star and I am following that and working towards that no matter what. So every decision that I make, in my day, in my week, in my year, in my life is pointing towards that. And there's a lot of hard decisions you got to make along the way. A lot of hard decisions. But knowing that that's a non-negotiable and it might be the only non-negotiable right. is, 
is it's just it's putting your flag on the or putting your flag in the ground and just like drawing your line right here and say I will go I will not cross this line ever no matter what mm-hmm. like keep going until it doesn't matter what adversity what challenges it's like nope we're going no matter what no this matter is happening what. no matter what yeah and you know that adversity is coming right and that's a I I knew it it's not like I hadn't been through a whole lot of it already. It was oh, man, yeah, at such a, at such a young age, and you know, yeah. I, I feel like for so many people, that's something that is missing. It's that there's a necessity there, like mm-hmm. you're saying, this is going to happen. Yes, it's like absolutely. I'm going to show up, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to show up, and I might not get the results. It might not happen right away. It might be a struggle, but this needs to happen. Like it needs to exist, and because it needs to, it will. Yeah. It, it, it's never Love been it. a question of if. It really hasn't been a question of it. It's there, there. You might get to a lot of points where you don't know what to do and you feel lost, but it's, it's still going to happen. I just haven't figured out what I need to figure out yet. That unwavering faith. And I think a lot of that comes to from seeing results, right? You start thinking a certain way, you start doing things a certain way and approaching situations a certain way, and you keep getting results out of it. Eventually, even though you might not have specific results in certain things, you've got a body of work of results that you can say, well, it's working here, here, and here. Why wouldn't it work in this other place too? Yeah. So you can keep, it, it just keeps you on. There's evidence there. Tons of evidence. Tons. So what happened afterwards? So you made the decision that the best life is out there for me. It's possible. Mm-hmm. What was the next step? How did you put that into action? Yeah. Um, so actually it was another, another piece of adversity that, uh, <laughs> that actually got me on track. Your life is adversity, man. Yeah. That's... Well, you know, like, like we said earlier, I'm, in, I'm extremely grateful for all the adversity. I really am. Mm-hmm. I consider it greatness training and that's what it is. Yes. You go through your hard times and that is your greatness training. And if you learn and grow from it, that's your greatness training. Um, I'm sure you know, I'm sure a lot of the people you know who are some of the happiest people you've ever met are people who have been through a lot of the hardest things, right? It really gives yeah. you perspective. Um, it can go either way. You can go through some hard times and, and be crushed, or you can bounce the other way and, and really understand what life's about and what you're capable of and go for it. Uh, so this was tough for me. This was really tough. The, You know how every one of us, we kind of idolize our parents at a certain age. And then I don't know, whatever age you get to, it could be eight years old, 12 years old, 15, whatever it is, but you start to realize your parents aren't perfect anymore. Right. And hopefully as you get older, the gap between who you thought them to be and who they really are, isn't that big. And you just, you're cool with it. So I idolized my dad growing up. He was the everything for me. I wanted to be exactly like him. And my dad has a ton of great qualities, but the older I got, the more I realized, and this especially came into play after I lost my mom, when I really was taking a stand for that kind of life I wanted to live. I started looking, I was really looking for role models. Who can I model myself after? Who's got this figured out? Who has these answers I'm looking for? And my dad was my number one role model growing up, far and away. But he went through some tough times of his own, um, some life decisions that just didn't align with with the way I see things. And Mm -hmm. It really kind of it threw me for a loop that this is the guy that I've been trying to be. And now this is, I can't be him. 
right? I can't be him anymore. Wow. And I can't be like my mom for obvious reasons. And so I started looking for role models in other places. I would ask people that I know who are successful people, you know, good careers, smart people, good people. And I'd ask them just a lot of questions about why do you make a decision and say here in your relationship or here in your career or here in this, that, whatever. And the amount of times I would hear things like, well, that's just the way you do it, or that's the way it's always been done, or that's the way people do these sorts of things. That's their operating system. That's their operating system, right? Is a, It is a default operating system. It has never yeah. been upgraded. And that would be okay. I'd be fine with that if I was inspired by their results or the life they were living. And I just never was. So I'd found, I'd find bits and pieces of people that I liked, some characteristics and some qualities and some values that I thought these are great things. But then there'd also be a whole bunch of things that I didn't want that didn't speak to me. So after a little while of struggling to not find what I was looking for, I came to this kind of the next realization that really changed my life about the real role model that I wanted to aspire to be like. And that was future Corey. That was a version of myself that I created 10, 20 years in the future who just encompassed everything that I want to be and everything about me that I think is, is great in the world. And, and not based on what other people think or what other people say, right. It, it's, it's, this is what really speaks to me. And this is what's wow. going to be the kind of person that I want to be. So the focus really became, especially because I didn't have answers of what I wanted to do or how I was going to do it. The focus really became on who do I want to be, which I think is that. Yeah. I think it's so much more important than what do you want to do? I think it is at the very foundation of everything. Who do you want to be? Mm -hmm. The what stuff will, will, will come into play. You'll figure it out. And it's who you're being right now and it's leads you to that human being you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, at that time, I'm not yet the person. I'm not future Corey yet. Yeah. yeah I, I'm starting this journey of becoming future Corey. But understanding how to become future Corey and really asking myself every day, why can't I be like him today? And in every situation where I was asking a question, I would ask, well, what would future Corey do here? And it was amazing to me how many times I actually came up with an answer that if I could get out of my own head right here, right now, today, and think like future Corey, I could figure this out differently. So you're like time traveling. You're, you're, sort of. you're coming from the future today. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You approach whatever, it could be everyday kind of things, like really normal, trivial, everyday things. Mm -hmm. But what would future Corey do? Yeah. Like, so you, you give him access you almost like channel him and then move your life forward that way like respond to life in that way yeah exactly i love right. that man yeah and uh it's like you said i love that you said there about it and is that a lot of small things still there yeah something just popped up so i just wanted to make sure the sound is all good okay cool Sorry. Um, yeah. So like you said there about, it could be little small decisions, things, uh, things that seem trivial, but every decision matters. Every decision matters. We make thousands of decisions a day and every decision matters. So if I can make every decision or as many decisions as I can with the idea of this is who I want to be as my decision-making criteria, it's amazing what you create thinking that way and making decisions that way. In fact, that's a massive part of what the Personal Greatness Project is. 
I feel like so much of the time we're making isolated decisions all over the place. We make a decision about here's my career and here's my family, here's my health, here's my friends, here's my whatever. And they're all isolated. And I don't think of these as isolated things. I think of them all as the same thing. They're all one thing. This is your life. And so if you're making all these isolated decisions, it's, it's tough. It's taxing. It's, it takes a lot of bandwidth to do this. And not only that, you're making these decisions again in isolation. So what if every decision you've made, every decision could represent who you want to be and what you're trying to achieve? So every decision you make just keeps pointing you in that direction and pointing you in that direction. With an upgraded operating system, that's exactly what you're capable of doing. All of your decisions flow through this, this metric or, or whatever you want to call it, this criteria of this is who I want to be. Now, there's obviously a lot of parts that make that up, but they're not complicated. It's just understanding things in a different way. And when you do that, decision-making gets so much uh, easier. It becomes so much more efficient. You don't have to spend all this time thinking about things all the time. It's like you just kind of know what the answer is. And so you make your decision and you move forward which really helps. Uh, it doesn't matter so much when you're talking about ordering a pizza. It's not as big a deal, but when you've got some big life decisions on your plate or even medium-sized life decisions and you're trying to figure out which way to go, uh, these are some people make decisions that set them back years and years and years, right? And if you can not only avoid those situations, but make decisions that advance you years and years and years instead of setting you back and do that with consistency, you're, uh, you're creating something special. And the path to your personal greatness does not come from making a whole bunch of bad decisions and struggling your way through mediocrity. It just doesn't. You might have to come from that to st as, as a starting point. A lot of us do come from there. Most of us, and probably all of us come from there at some point. But once you take that stand for who you want to be and the kind of life you want to live, you leave that in the past and, and you keep going. So there's, so there's a whole bunch of different themes that I, I hear and it seems really consistent and they all build towards the same direction. And I, my guess is this is what your training is about. Yes. I mean, you, you acknowledged the adversities in your life. Like you've kind of integrated them to the point where you're transparent about them. I think that's another piece. Like you're willing to be open to talk about some of the most challenging times of your life, like these low lights, mm -hmm. taking it, taking a stand and then, making sure that, okay, this is going to happen no matter what. And then life is a series of choices. Mm -hmm. And this is what builds you towards that future version of yourself. Yeah. Like, who's your, the ultimate mentor, the future version, idealized version of you. And yeah. then coming from the future today yeah. to make those decisions to get closer. I feel like that is, that's a powerful OS, man. That's an operating system. That is a uh, superior operating system. It really <laughs> So you had that, you had that realization, future Corey, yeah. who, who do I want to be 20 years from now? And then what was next? Started living like future Corey started, um, holding, it's really about holding yourself to a higher standard, the standard that you're capable of, not the standard that you settle for. doesn't mean you've got all the answers right away. Uh, I was at that time, I was out of university. I was trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, dabbled in some different careers. I was... Uh, working in the restaurant business when I was in university, serving tables, uh, bartending. I just kind of stayed in it by default, I guess. I didn't know what else to do. Uh, I got really good at making money for other people. That's something I got really good at <laughs> in the bar business. I knew the bar, uh, the business well. The more time I spent in it, the better I got at it. I enjoyed it. Sounds sexy, man. 
Yeah, it was fun. It really was fun. I encourage any and everybody to work a year as a server or a bartender or a busser or something like that. There are so many incredible life lessons that you will take with you forever working in the bar business. It's mm. It builds character. You learn teamwork. You learn hard work. Uh, you learn people skills and interacting with people and, and managing people. There's just so much of it that comes into play that you can apply to life and careers and relationships. So there's a little plug for the restaurant business right there. Uh, <laughs> but I got to shout out to all the servers out there. Yeah, it's 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 a fantastic education. And a lot of people I know, friends of mine who are really successful in their lives in a bunch of different ways, talk so highly of their time in the restaurant business. Yeah. You know, it's it was it's phenomenal. And it's a ton of fun. Like let's not pretend that it's, it wasn't a ton. Exactly. Of fun. It really was. Exactly. So I get to this point where I'm really good at what I'm doing, but I entirely feel stuck. And this isn't what I want to do with my life. This is just what I was doing. I think that all of us get to that point at some point, unless you happen to land your dream job or your dream career right out of school, you kind of just stumble your way into something that sounds good or something that you know. And so that's exactly what I was doing. And I decided it was just time to do something bold. I didn't know... I didn't have a lot of answers at the time. So I just asked myself three simple questions. I asked, what do I know? What do I like? And what am I good at? And it was the bar business. So I started looking for a way to go into business for myself. I found a business, a bar that was a real piece of crap that I thought I could turn around. I borrowed way more money than I had any business borrowing. And I went into business for myself. I just bet on myself. That's bold, man. We need to take bold steps. At yeah. some point, you've just got to jump in whatever it is. And that doesn't mean that it's easy or that it's comf sorry, comfortable, but you got to jump. And that's what it was. And I remember at the time too, and again, just another great life lesson. People kept asking me, aren't you so scared? You're going into debt. You're taking on this business that's a piece of crap. And aren't you terrified that this isn't going to work out? And I remember so clearly thinking that, yeah, it's scary. But the thing that terrifies me way more than taking this chance is not taking this chance. The idea of staying put and never growing and never becoming who I was capable of becoming, the idea of that terrified me. And so mm -hmm. it, wasn't a it really wasn't a difficult decision. It was a pretty easy decision when, you think, kind of when I thought about it that way. So here I am. I'm, I'm in, we're working for myself, which is great. I turned that business around in about six months. It, wow. Yeah, it was great. Again, believe in yourself, right? We, we, we sell ourselves short all the time. We're always doubting ourselves and comparing ourselves to other people, but we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And when you see that in yourself, and maybe you need other people, you need someone to help bring that out, somebody from an, a different perspective to, to help understand what that is in you. But when that clicks for you and you just bet on yourself, you're capable of amazing things. I honestly, not to sound all full of myself, I wasn't shocked that I was able to do that with that business because I really believed in what I was capable of doing. It happened, I guess, a little faster than I expected. I thought maybe I could do this in a year that it happened in six months was just gravy. Um, but again, there's a lot of difficult decisions that come along with taking a business, turning it around, what you have to do with it, where you're taking, you know, staffing decisions, customer decisions, just tons of things. There's just operating decisions. 
Um, so I got the business going in a great direction. Business just kept growing and growing and growing. And something really interesting started happening where I was never passionate about this business. Uh, I liked it. I really did. Like I enjoyed going to work. I wasn't one of those guys who didn't like going to work. I had fun going to work. I worked with a lot of great people. I got to do some very cool things, but I was never passionate about it. And when I thought about it, I'm not sure I really knew what passion was because I kind of thought that some people are lucky enough to have passion in their lives, but they're just the lucky few. And maybe the rest of us just don't get to have passion and that's okay. I can like stuff. I can even love stuff, but maybe I don't, maybe passion's not for me. And around, right around then, around thinking about that, it was strange. It was about my third or fourth year in that business at that, in business for myself. Business had just kept growing and growing and growing. Every quarter business was going up. And I started to feel just off. Something was really off. I was stressed. I couldn't figure out why. Business was up. I was working less hours and I'm, I'm not sleeping well at night and I'm not understanding what's going on. It, was, it really didn't make any sense to me because I had a great life going here. To everybody else, this looks so cool. And to me, it looked so cool. This was the definition of success as far as I knew it. Growing up, you, you think- checked all the boxes. I checked all the boxes, right? You, and still. And still something really feels off and that kept eating at me and eating at me. And I'm trying to figure out why I'm having such a hard time sleeping at night. And at this point, new business opportunities keep coming my way and some really exciting business opportunities, except- Like related. Yeah, related well, some related and some not even related, just okay. similar skill sets. Um, so I guess related in a way. But it was so strange for me. They should have been exciting and none of them were exciting. They all started to feel like just another way to make money. And I didn't get why my head was all of a sudden thinking this way. Because I think that growing up, we have a very narrow definition of what success is. Maybe you study hard, you get good grades, you get into school, you get a good job, you make good money house, nice cars, whatever, but it's, it's very narrow. And it's the reason that so many people wake up in their lives. I would say even most people wake up in their lives one day, maybe 30, 40 years old and just say, huh, like, is this it? <laughs> right. It's not that life is terrible. It's just, I guess I just expected there'd be more to life than this. And that's exactly where I was. Like, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Is this what I'm doing oh. all this for? That's an awful feeling. It was an awful feeling. It, 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 yeah, it was just an awful feeling. And I saw, I really saw how easy it would be to get stuck in your life and settle for something less, right? Because I was making good money. I liked what I did. It checked all the boxes. I'd have to be a fool to give this up. And so here's when I go back to this promise that I made myself, this pledge that I made that I was going to live the greatest life I possibly could. That greatest life isn't an eight out of 10. And this, to me, this whole situation felt like a really solid eight out of 10. But I'm not here for an eight. And that's what led me to sell the business. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what was wow. coming next. I ended up traveling a little bit. I learned how to golf. I wanted to learn how to golf. I said now's a great time. So I learned how. Um, things like that. Retired. Kind of like a little semi-retired so in my mid-30s. That that kind of happened. Really thinking that 
whatever the next thing is, is going to be my thing. It's got to be my thing. And I can't settle for something less than that. Uh, around the same time too, I was in a relationship with a great woman. Like she was a great girlfriend, but we were a, another eight. It was really good. And I'm in my thirties here. Right. So it's, hurts. that's a tough, that's a tough thing because again, we're checking all the boxes. Everybody else thinks we're the, the model couple or whatever it is. And something just feels a little bit off to us. We what you're saying up. is, sorry to interrupt, but no. what you're saying is something that is so common. Mm-hmm. Like looking from the outside in, wow, you have it made. Like everything is great. Like you're doing well. All of it. Like you check all the boxes. But deep inside, it's conflicting because it's like, no, 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 there's something missing. Like something mm-hmm. is not right. This is just an eight. And somehow that feedback loop of everyone thinking that your life is great, but internally your internal scorecard is just like, uh, I don't think so. Right. That creates, so. I feel like that creates such an interesting dynamic for some of us to either, okay, do I upkeep this because everyone else says so? Like, do I live on their terms mm-hmm. or do I take the freaking risk of being absolutely nuts and listening to my inner scorecard here and making a shift? That's that, yeah. and, and again, that is the boldness. Like that is the stand that is, that is courageousness. Cause you don't know what's going to happen if you listen to that. No, you do not. Um, <laughs> you really don't. And people ask me a lot. They say, well, how did you know it was going to work out? How do you know that if you give up your eights, you're going to find your tens. Hmm. And I have found my tens. My wife is the greatest. We, I am so proud of our marriage and who we are and the kind of relationship we have. The work that I'm doing now, none of this would happen if had I not taken these these bold moves. But so here's what I say to people. You cannot guarantee that you're going to find your tens. I couldn't have known what kind of work I'd be doing now. When I ended that relationship, I was really worried I was never going to find anybody like her again. I had waited my whole life to meet somebody like her. And then that wasn't even, it wasn't it. And I just thought, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. And that was really, really difficult because more than anything in the world, I wanted to be a dad. Always, always. I just, mm-hmm. I can't wait Me to too, man. Right. And, and I want to get married and I want an incredible marriage and this might not happen for me. And that was really tough. And, and this is why people settle in relationships because that's a really hard thing to say no to. That's a really hard thing to pass up when your whole life you've wanted this. But I think the thing for me was I knew that I was never going to be okay if I settled in the relationship, right? I would rather, I would almost rather be alone. In fact, I had to make peace with being alone and the idea that I might not get to be a dad and that I might not ever get married. I had to make real peace with that. Like accept it. Accept it. Um, Otherwise, I... I would have forced my way into a different relationship or I just would have put a ring on it with her. Uh, so when, I, when people ask me, how do you know you're going to find it? I say, you, you don't know. You really don't. You're taking a chance here. There are no guarantees there. But what I can absolutely guarantee you is that if you don't say goodbye to your eight, you'll never get to find your 10. Mm-hmm. That I can guarantee you. So You have to. And, and that's an important lesson, I think. You have to be willing to risk the losing the eight yeah. for the possibility, not even a guarantee, but for the possibility of a 10. But if you stick with the eight, 
bye bye. No possibility of the ten. No. Like you're just you're saying no to it. Yeah. What, what's that like at 95 years old? What's that like at 95 years old? Really, when you're looking back on your life and you're wondering what could have been, what if? Oh, One of the man. most inspiring things I've ever read were the top regrets of dying people. You know, when they ask people <laughs> on their deathbed, on their deathbeds, what do you regret? And the things that are the most common, the things that are mm-hmm. most important to them, and to think that could be me one day, and that would be awful, just awful. So there's no regrets about giving up the eights, right? The only regrets would be not going after your tens. Well, it worked out for you. It's it's working out great. <laughs> it really, really is. Again, I think if you just take a stand for yourself because you know that you're worth it. And that's the other mm-hmm. question. If you don't feel like you're worth it, why would you take a stand for yourself? What are you taking a stand for? But if you feel like you're worth it and you know that you're worth it, I think you've got to take that stand. And there will be times in your life where eight is fine and it's it, and it's okay if i have an eight out of ten pizza that's cool i don't need to devote my life to finding that 10 out of 10 pizza sometimes eight's fine sometimes five's the right number mm-hmm. what about something that's so important to you like your relationships like your purpose like your life's work your career your relationship with your friends and your family whatever it is to you that's so important how can you settle for less in in those areas i just don't know how you can so there's some people listening to this and they're they're hearing this and it's landing for them. And some of them are, maybe they're 50, maybe mm-hmm. they're 40, maybe they're 30. And mm-hmm. it's like, they get the wake up call from what you're trying to say. And they look back and they're like, wow, did I wait? Like I wasted, what a waste of 44 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Like what a waste of 49 years of my, of my life, sure. or whatever it is, because I didn't step into working towards the 10. But it sounds like, well, I mean, you are the, the demonstration of this because you look at Personal Greatness Project and all of the things that have led you to this moment, it's like your life, your whole life has prepared you for the Personal Greatness Project. Yes. It's like all of that has been the tuition, has been the training. Like if you didn't go through any of that, would you have learned, have, would you have gained the insights? No. Would you have been, would you, would you have exposed yourself to that much possibility? No, for sure. I wouldn't have. So what what would you say to those people? When I say that it is never too late to start being the person that you want to be and the person you're capable of being, Mm -hmm. I would say that no matter if you're 30, 40, 50, if you've been in a career for 20 years, you're 15 years into a relationship, whatever it is, there's absolutely nothing you can do about anything that has happened before this very moment right here, right now. It is done. It is absolutely done. You can spend time regretting it and sweating it and looking back and saying, oh man, I wish I did things differently, but what is that going to get you? It's going to get you nothing except the opportunity to do something about it, which is exactly where you are right here, right now. And the great part about this, never it's never too late. And it really is never too late. Unless you are 95 on your deathbed with two minutes to go, it's you've got time to do to be who you want to be. And the greatest part about this is, and especially when we're talking personal greatness project, you don't have to wait 10 years or 20 years from the time you start to start getting payoff. Right? You will start seeing things happen right away. You will feel differently right away. 
Now that effect will build and build and build and build over a year, over years. The more you're doing it, the more you're living it. Sure, in five years and 10 years, there's going to be a bigger impact than in 10 weeks. But in that 10 weeks, you will notice something happening and you will feel better. It will be yours. So if you've only got six months to go, then why not make that the most incredible six months you could possibly have? Where you are now is irrelevant. How long it's taken you to get here is irrelevant. It's what comes next. And it's all about what comes next. And you have choice in the matter of what comes next. Entirely. Entirely. It is all up to you. I love to tell my students that you cannot go back in time and write a new beginning but you decide how your story ends and make a decision. How do you want your story to end? So yeah, I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you're invested in. I don't care how many years you've put into something because that's what you thought was right. And maybe at the time it was right. But if you feel like something's off and you feel like this isn't your 10 out of 10 and it's time to do something differently and but we're only looking forward here. Mm-hmm. So you, so you sold a business. You found the love of your life. Got married. Got a son. Found your way, like you said, stumbled into into this path. Mm-hmm. Tell us the, about the birth of this. I got my start uh, doing some consulting work, coaching that sort of thing that, that really started when I started paying attention to, you know, who I want to be, how I'm going to realize my potential and connect with purpose. I started learning things about myself that I hadn't really been paying attention to. So it really helped me start in the kind of work that I wanted to do. I, I was on a path. I didn't know what path exactly, but I knew it was pointing me in vaguely the right direction, Hmm. but I'll kind of skip through a lot of that process and get to the point where Somebody asks me when my, my son was just a little, little baby, and they said, what are you going to teach him? Like, what are you going to teach him about education and careers and the world? What are you going to teach him about this stuff? And I thought, well, I really don't know what I'm going to teach him about, about uh, education because I really have no idea what place today's education is going to have in 10 years or in 15, 20 years. It's already an outdated model. And if it's not going to evolve enough, I have no idea what place that's going to have. So I can't answer that question. What am I going to teach them about careers? I just read, recently read a study from uh, Dell, Dell uh, Technologies, and they said that they anticipate that by the year 2030, which really isn't that far so, away anymore, <laughs> 85% of the careers and the jobs that are going to exist then haven't been invented yet. They haven't even been invented yet. So how are you going to pick something now that you're going to do then? And I went back in my head to this conversation that I had with somebody when I was in university. This person went to MIT. And just for anyone who doesn't know, MIT is this massive top-end tech school in the States, super mm-hmm. bright, brainy people there. And they're, they're at the forefront of a lot of tech and advances. So I was talking with him, and he said that the stuff they were learning in first year was obsolete by the time they were in fourth year. And just to date myself, that was about 20 years ago now. But 20 oh years God. ago tech was already changing at a pretty fast rate that they couldn't teach stuff that was going to be obsolete. And so they were having to change the way that they were teaching things. Uh, You could not teach content specific stuff that was going to change in time. And so I carried this conversation with me 
my whole adult life. It just stuck with me for some reason. And it came full circle when I was trying to answer this question about what I was going to teach my son. I realized that I could either teach him nothing because I don't have these answers, or I could actually teach him everything, everything. The world is changing so quickly around him. The world is going to change so quickly around all of us. We can either focus on these very content specific things that might change tomorrow, or we could prepare ourselves with an upgraded superior operating system to be able to handle anything that comes our way and not just survive, but thrive, adapt, Mm -hmm. understand things in a different way. And if I can do that for him, that's the greatest thing I could possibly give him. And that's really when I started picturing the world he's going to grow up in and recognizing that we really do promote mediocrity all over the place. We celebrate mediocrity. Um, And for most of us, we don't even know that there's an option to be any different, right? It's not our fault if you grew up this way, if you learned this from your teachers and your parents and from TV and movies and society, like this is all that we know. We don't know that it's okay to be great unless it's, again, by a very narrow definition of what it means to be great. And I'm looking at all these things in the world right now. I'm really not bought into where we're at or where we're headed. And I'm not a glass half empty kind of guy. In fact, I'm the most positive guy that anybody that I know has ever met. I'm a super glass half full guy. But to be that guy, we've got to talk in truth, not talk in just what we want to happen. We've got to call it for what it is and recognize where we're going. And I was simply not okay with my little boy growing up in that world. Hmm. So I could either sit back and do nothing about it, or I could do something. And this is when it became so clear to me that it was time to play big. And that's when the Personal Greatness Project really started coming together. Because if the world for my little boy is going to be different, we need to be great. And we've got to stop settling for mediocrity. We need to take a stand against mediocrity and for our personal greatness. That's what the Personal Greatness Project is. That's why it exists. That's why I love it. And I'm so excited about it and what it does for people and what changes in their lives from having an upgraded operating system. So this thing that you said, like becoming a dad has been such an important goal for you to achieve. And then actually becoming a dad and having your son be that source of inspiration to give birth to this idea that we have to take a stand against mediocrity. Mm -hmm. We need to become great. Yeah. If our children are going to live in in the world of the future, that future has got to be great. It's got to be. Amazing, man. So can you tell us a little bit about um, the type of experiences and, and results that people have, have been getting from from your trainings, from your workshops? Sure. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing. I cannot predict specific results with people because yeah. it's personal. You, <laughs> yeah. Right? You're going to customize your own operating system and do with it whatever you want that aligns with, again, who you want to be and what you want to do, but what you care about, what's important to you the things you want to go after in life. So a lot of my work so far has been with students, with teenagers and 20-somethings. So here's, uh, here's some common things that I hear. They get higher grades, and it's easier for them getting higher grades than it was for them to get lesser grades. Now, the interesting thing about that is, <laughs> yeah, right? And the interesting thing about that is we never talk about things like study habits or how to do well in school or any of that. We don't, it never comes up. 
but they're, they've got a better operating system. Wow. They're, they've got better relationships with their friends, their family, their boyfriends and girlfriends with their teachers. They're so much more confident and you just see it in the way that they stand. They hold their heads higher. They believe in themselves so much more because they believe in themselves so much more. They take more chances. They go after things that they were never going after before. So whether that's leadership opportunities in their schools or in their communities, in their groups of friends or on their teams, is it going applying to schools and programming that they would never would have applied for before? Is it any sort of leadership role or, or these chances that they see as opportunities to learn and to grow as opposed to things to be afraid of? They embrace them. They're going after them. Um, they, some students are telling me that they work out every day. They eat better. Now, again, we never talked about how to work out or how to eat well. It's, we don't talk about that stuff. It's that they believe that this is so important to them. When I ask them, why are you doing that? Why did you choose to work out every day? Why do you mm-hmm. choose to, to, to exercise and eat the way you are? They say, I just really believe in who I am. And, and I know that that person's <laughs> worth taking care of and, and really worth optimizing. Wow. So the idea here is that all of these things keep happening and these results keep showing up in different ways for people as teams, they get so much stronger. Uh, Just this past weekend, I did a a weekend training for a college student council. And it was incredible because they're all here with this same idea of what they want to create as their team and for their school. And to watch this, this incredible shift happen on an individual level and on a team level is it's a game changer. So to see these things happening in people and to see them evolve, which is really the coolest thing, and more importantly than anything, it's sustainable, right? Such a, such a huge part of this, what the Personal Greatness Project is, is that it's sustainable. Because mm-hmm. if it's not, then what good is it? What good is it if you go to a workshop or you do go through a program or you hear a speaker that pumps you up for five minutes and then the next day, nothing's changed. I mean, I guess there's some value in that, but if it's not sticking with you, then nothing's going to change and it's not going to be sustainable. When you have an upgraded operating system, it's entirely sustainable. You just have to put in some effort, not hard work, just effort to maintain and customize and evolve it. Once you do, and, and Oliver, you mentioned this before, this feedback loop happens. So I put a little bit of effort into this thing over here. And when I do that, I get better results. And so because I get better results, I put in a little bit more effort and I put in a little bit more effort and then I see more results. And there's this nonstop feedback loop of just keep working at it and keep getting results. So it's the same thing with why their grades are higher. It's It's not because they've all of a sudden learned how to be better students or that they are any smarter than they were before. It's not that at all. It's they approach their learning differently from maybe having to get good grades to get into a program to get a career to just, I want to be better and I can be better and me learning more and being a better student helps me be better. It's a, it's a shift in the way that they think, but once that shift Mm. happens, once the switch flips, it doesn't flip back. You would literally have to make a conscious decision in every decision you make to make a bad decision because you know, the better decision for you. And it's not a better decision for me It's a better decision for you. This is your decision to make, and it represents who you want to be. So in every decision, you would literally have to choose, I want to be a worse version of myself and work harder and get less results than be a better version of myself and make it easier and get better results. That's the decision that you're making all the time once you understand how to work with your operating system. So why would you ever choose the other one? 
why would you ever choose the, the worst path when it's easier to choose the better path and you're happier and you're more fulfilled and you're more successful? So I love seeing these things happen in students. I love seeing um, things play out in different ways. I'll hear it from the students. Sometimes I hear it from their parents, which is a really cool thing to hear the changes I'm noticing in my, in my uh, son or daughter. Uh, I'm really excited to, to grow this program even outside of youth. As much as I love working with youth, it's, it's for everybody. It's for the yeah. parents. It's for teams and organizations and communities. It's for all these people, everybody who wants to raise the bar on who they are. Mm-hmm. So if it is a company, if it is a nonprofit, if it is a school or a student council or a hockey team, like this, this is for you. Can you share with us the contrast between when students come in mm-hmm. and then they leave? Like, how do they show up now versus when they first started with the program? Mm. I'd be interested to hear. So they, they show up in different ways, different ages, different backgrounds, cultures, religions, whatever you have. They, they come from different places, socioeconomic, sorry, socioeconomic status, like you name it. They come from different backgrounds and they're different and they, they're sitting in a room together probably. I ran a, a program last, uh, the end of last summer for 10 teens and every single one of them was there because their mom and dad made them go. Like not, none of them said they actually wanted to be there but their parents really wanted them to be there. It doesn't, it doesn't matter a whole lot to me. I just want to get you there. I want to show you who you're capable of being and then help you become that person. So people start from anywhere from a spectrum of I'm already a leader. I'm already an A student. Uh, I'm already Mm -hmm. the captain of my team or the president of my student council all the way from that to, I don't believe in myself. Uh, I I don't feel like I have a future. Um, I'm going to be content. One of my favorite uh, student stories was a young man named uh, Will and actually William's stories on the personal greatness project website, because when Will started in the program, he didn't believe in himself at all. He thought I, I really will be content to just get through high school and, and get a job so I can pay the bills and I don't have potential and there's nothing special about me. He was a, a C student. He had just failed math and nice guy. Really nice guy, but that's about it. And once Will started seeing a side of himself, seeing what he's capable of, not because other people tell him this way or that way, because he's seeing this for himself and he's understanding how to make better decisions and how to step into the person that he's capable of being. It's almost like once you get a taste of it, you want more of it. And so Will got a taste and Will wanted more. And so Will now is an A student. Will's applying to universities that he'd never applied to before or even thought of. Um, out of out of province too. He thought if I even get to a school, it'll have to be local. Now he's applying to places everywhere, programs he never would have thought of. His his ambitions and his career path are completely different than they were mm-hmm. before. He Will's one of those those students who exercises every day and eats better and has. One of, one of the, uh, the things that he's actually most proud of, really just because it has such a huge impact in his life, is he, he loves his family a lot, and he would fight with his brother like ruthlessly and relentlessly, and they had a really, really strange relationship, and he'd fight with his parents, and he's always blaming his brother or his parents for what was going on. 
And he said that since the program, pretty much immediately after he finished the program, he hasn't fought with his brother since. And he takes so much responsibility now for who he is and how he controls his life. And he refuses to be a victim and a pawn in the game. So his relationship's better with his parents. It's better with his friends. It's better with his teachers. It's better with everybody. And, and Will is, I'd love to say Will's the exception, but Will is just one example of what's one possible story. when you go through that program. And if nothing else, beautiful. I, it's, it is. Um, and when I, when I spoke with Will recently, did a, a follow-up with him, it had been about eight months since he had been in the program. So again, if all this was happening for just one week after the program and then he stopped, then so what? But eight months later, Will was just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the very first thing I noticed before we even spoke was how tall he was standing and this big proud smile on his face, not about anything he had just done, but about who he is, who he is, who he is and the way he can handle adversity and keep moving forward and the way he just feels so equipped for this life that's about to come to him or that he's about to embark on. Whereas before he was just hopeless and powerless and he's, he had kind of already thrown in the towel. Right. I feel like there are so many, especially in youth, but this really isn't a youth specific thing. If you aren't like not every student loves school, that doesn't mean you don't have a ton of potential. It just means that school might not be the thing that's speaking to you. Now, maybe it is. Maybe you are the A student. Maybe you are the president of the student council, and that's fine. But just because you're not doesn't mean that there's anything less in you. It just means that this might not be your thing. And so take that another 15, 30 years into the future where people are going through life thinking, this is who I am. And I guess I'm just not as good as other people or I'm not meant for more than this. And that's, that's a total load of crap. You just don't know any differently. You haven't seen that side of you that's capable of more, but it's there. It's there for out for every one of us. It's just, it's there in different ways. So it's really, it's, there's so much, uh, when it comes to just letting people be exposed to the possibility of who they could be yeah, and taking responsibility for that. Yeah. Like actually owning it. Owning it. That's like, that sounds like part of, you know, the, the most important piece. This is my path. This is my choice. This is my future. Mm -hmm. It's my responsibility. I got to, I, I can do something about it. I can make a difference. Absolutely. And you can choose anything you want. You can choose yeah. the worst life possible, but you're going to own it. You're take <laughs> full responsibility for your decisions. Um, and I think in that, in knowing that no matter what you choose, you're responsible for. You can make all the excuses you want. You can blame anybody you want, but that's not going to change anything. So you are 100% responsible for your life and the choices that you make. That is so empowering for people to understand that. And that, again, why wouldn't you choose the best when, when you can? So what are you most excited about when it comes to the Personal Greatest Project this year? Oh, this, this is really a year of, of discovery and of possibility for the Personal Greatness Project because in many ways, I'm, I'm learning myself what this is and what it's capable of. Um, definitely continuing working with, with teens and with 20-somethings. I just, I, I love that so much. But I really want to start helping some causes 
that I mm. care about, some things that I align with and resonate with. I really want to help them upgrade their operating systems too, so that they can do more, be more in their work. I want to help any company or organization that I align with. I want to help them do the same. And this isn't just about being better for your company. You know, your, your company, your team will be stronger, will be better, but you will be better people. You will be better friends. You will be better moms and dads. When you go home, you'll be better partners. Um, and so the work goes anywhere where people want it to go, wherever people want it in their lives. Again, as long as it's aligned, um, as long as we're on the same page in a way about why this is important to you, then I want to help you. I want to give you this opportunity. So again, I, I'm really excited at the possibility of, of working with some, some different types of groups and different types of people and showing them what's possible too. And then helping them just take that into their own lives and organizations without me needing to be there upgrading your operating system daily. It's, it's <laughs> teach a man to fish. So let me teach you how to fish in an amazing way. Um, I'm really just excited to, to see the possibilities and to see who I get to, to do this with. When's the book coming? When's the book coming? <laughs> uh, the, the question that everybody likes to ask. I feel it smells like a book, tastes like a book, sounds like a book. Yeah. Like your whole, this whole interview, this whole conversation and what it's led up to. That's what it feels like. I'll be completely honest with you. Something that's gotten in my way a long for a long time, I was thinking I should write a book and doubting myself, mm -hmm. right? Do I have what it takes to write a book? Who wants to read my book? That doubt has, has certainly waned in the last year. Plus, um, I'm very excited about writing a book. I've started writing I don't know when it's going to be done. I don't know what it's going to look like when it's done, but uh, bear with me and uh, we'll get there. If you're only listening to this, Corey's turning red. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I but, like that. That's you stepping into your edge, man. Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, the last year especially has taught me that if I'm not scared, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. So yeah. always that's the hero's be, journey, man. You got to step into the darkness. Yeah. Just, just being a little bit scared is, is great or a lot that's scared, so not terrified, hopefully, but you know, enough scared to, to keep growing and keep learning and just every day get a little bit better. So I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to ask you a couple more questions. Mm. What, what would you say? So I guess besides, besides writing a book, what's your growth edge right now? Uh, it's really growing the personal greatness project. It's okay. not just a program, but, but a culture really. It's a way of living. It's a way of life. It's a way of, of being who you're capable of being and learning how to turn it from where it is right now or what it is right now into an organizational, organizational way of being, um, a societal way of being. So this is, this is uh, really the exciting thing for me right now is exploring that side of it, learning how to, to take it in that direction. And in the meantime, who knows what's possible and what we're capable of doing together. I really want to be partnering with organizations. I don't want this to be bring me in and say goodbye. I want to partner with you. 
to, to make yeah. something great happen. And that really excites me. That's, that's my growth edge this year. This year is about going big with this and, and, and making something great happen. What kind of people are, who are you looking for? Anybody who knows they've got an extra gear in them and they haven't found a way to click into it. This is for you. I hope I'm speaking your language. Anybody who feels like they might have something great in them or even some sort of potential that hasn't been tapped yet. I urge you to look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and ask if you're okay settling for anything less than everything you're capable of. Um, Anybody who cares about being a great parent and role model. And that speaks so much to me because in all of this for me, the thing that's the most important is being the greatest role model I could possibly be for my son. We know that you cannot just tell them a bunch of lessons and hope that they end up a certain way. It's you've got to be the example and you've got to set a really high bar on what that example is and become that example. So that's really important for me. So parents, teams. So if you're on a team, if you're the coach of a team or the captain of a team, if you're on a student council or anything like that. But again, I don't want to limit this to people who are. There's such a universal application here. Yeah, it's, it really is universal. So if you don't give a crap about your life and your future or anything's going, then that's fine. Don't, don't come knocking on my door. But if you do care, if you feel like you're worth taking a stand for, if your organization is worth taking a stand for, if your family and your future are worth taking a stand for, then I, I do want to hear from you. If you feel like, we're, we all have a role to play in making this world a little bit better. And maybe you're not entirely bought into where we are now or where we're going. And you don't just want to sit back and feel powerless about the whole thing, but you want to take an active role. And no, I'm not talking about everybody needing to lead the army. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about every one of us just living to our personal greatness and uh, living our own personal greatness projects and moving the needle, just even just a little bit, but moving that needle knowing that you're leaving the world a little bit better than when, when you came into it. If any of that speaks to you, then, then let's talk because we've got some, some pretty important work to do. For the people who are listening and they might be just on the cusp of change, mm-hmm. like realizing, Oh wow, I am settling right now. I got to do something about it. What would you say would be the first two or three steps I feel like that's most people you're describing. I really do. I I think that most people are at this tipping point in their lives and they're looking for some sort of leadership or some sort of example to help them take that next step. And it's really scary when you're looking around at everybody else who's doing it the other way, the way that isn't inspiring you. So I think the first most important thing is to recognize that for what it is, is that there's, you're not a weirdo. And there's nothing wrong with you. In fact, everybody's feeling the same thing, but we don't want to talk about it because we don't want to be the weirdos. But I promise you, if you got into a real conversation with somebody and brought that up, they're thinking and feeling the same thing you are. So I think that's the first thing to know that, that you're not an outsider here. And in fact, you're representing just that wanting to be better is representing everything that's good in you. Everything that's great Mm. wants to come out. And you've got to honor that. You've got to respect that that thing's there. And that's a part of you anyway. 
even if you want to ignore it, it's still going to be there. So stop ignoring it. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the first most important uh, part. I think the second part is to take a stand for something, to take a stand for who you want to be, to take a stand for the life you're capable of living and don't be, don't be handcuffed and don't be confused by thinking that you have to have the answers right now because you don't being where you are right now, taking a stand for who you want to be and the kind of life you want to live is exactly where you need to be right now. And you cannot be any further ahead in this journey than you are right now. So I had no clue when I took that stand for myself. And I mean, no clue. Anybody just listening to this conversation with Oliver right now has way more of a clue than I ever had. And just take a stand for yourself. Take a stand for who you are and what, who you want to be, the kind of life you want to live because you're worth it. And once you take that stand, just start asking questions. Hmm. Challenge ideas. Just because something is the way it is, just because it's the way it's always been, doesn't mean that that's right. And it doesn't mean that it's going to get you where you want to go. I, I think everybody should work with a coach or a mentor. I think that's such a valuable, valuable um, uh, experience in your life mm-hmm. to help you get over those humps, to help you become who you want to be, to help you understand things that you simply can't see in yourself because you're in your own life, living your own life, seeing things through your own eyes. And you just can't gain that perspective. But don't be afraid to be bold. It doesn't have to be selling your business. It doesn't have to be leaving your relationship tomorrow. It doesn't have to be any of those things. You don't have to sell all your possessions and move to some island. It's, it's not about that. It's don't be afraid to be bold and open yourself to, up to opportunity and possibility. And if you can find somebody or an organization or something that can help you get where you want to go, you're you're already running this race and you're, you're in the lead. You're, you're up there, you're doing it. So really three simple things. One, pay attention to what's real and what's around you and know that it matters and you're worth it. Two, take a stand for who you want to be and the kind of life you want to live. And three, start doing something about it. Whatever that is, start doing something about it. Those three simple steps will set you on a, a, brand new trajectory for your life. It's really so simple. And it's just a matter of putting it into practice, like just deciding and then making it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And look, making it happen isn't necessarily the easy part, right? That's why Oliver, that's why you do what you do. That's why the personal greatness project exists because if it was so easy as anyone just snapping their fingers and being great, everybody would be great. So it's not that. It's, that's why we exist. But before we can help you with what you need to do, you've got to take that stand for yourself. You've just got to tell yourself that Mm -hmm. you're worth it. And even just be open to the possibility, ask questions, learn things, understand what, what's possible and then make your decision. What is your definition of greatness? This is a really hard thing to define, to put into words. I feel like greatness is more a feeling than it is uh, an articulation, but I'll do my best to articulate that feeling. And it really is knowing deep down, like at your very core, knowing that you're giving it your all in being who you really are, that you are being true to the person that you are, to the 
things that really drive you to your deep down passion or desire or purpose, whatever that thing is that you are honoring that mm-hmm. thing. If you are really honoring that and that's what your life is committed to, you will be accomplishing more. You will be achieving more. You will be more in your life. And that is just a feeling that you have. Greatness isn't some end game. It's not you put in 20 years of work and then you're great and then the end, right? It's it's a it's a never-ending process of becoming your greatest you. And being on that journey, being committed to that journey is greatness. The things you accomplish along the way, the things that show up along the way are just evidence of your greatness. But the greatness itself is, I'm not so sure that it's tangible. It shows up. You'll be happier. You'll be more fulfilled. You'll be living your life the way you were meant to live it. Not the way someone else said that this is the way it's supposed to be. And that's what greatness is. Love it, man. I, I'm so honored that you accepted my invitation to come on the show, man. Um, I learned so much. My pleasure. And your energy and, and your, your presence is extremely powerful. Anyone who gets a chance to listen to this interview or meet you, like they, I know they will all attest to the same thing. You have an energy about you, which is and, and, and a charisma about you where it's just like, okay, we got to listen. <laughs> Corey speaks up. We got to listen because gold is coming out of his mouth right now. Uh, you are too kind, sir. Thank you. Yeah, Again, no, thank you for I, having me here. This is great. You're a gem. You know that. <laughs> Tell us where we can stock you online and see what you're up to and what, what kind of progress you're making and events that you're having. Sure. Uh, the Personal Greatness Project website is a great place to start. That's uh, personalgreatnessproject.com. That's just going to give you an overview of, of what what we're doing and, and what's going on. Um, I've been very quiet on social media lately, but I will... Me too, man. Coming back at some point soon. <laughs> um, uh, it's been very nice having people reach out and say, Corey, what's going on with the Personal Greatness Project? We haven't heard anything. You haven't, you haven't been keeping us up to date. Um, but sometimes you just need a bit of a break. So mm-hmm. I've been enjoying that break, but look forward to, to coming back on there soon. Really the best thing you can do. And I, I invite anybody doing, um, who's listening, who's interested is, is reach out to me directly. You can email me through the website. You can contact me on Facebook if you want on Instagram and just shoot me a message. If you're interested in understanding how this might work for you. I want to talk to you. Like, I actually want to have the conversation with you. Um, not just a quick little email back and forth. So mm-hmm. let's find a time to talk. And and I would love to hear from you. So they can find you on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Um, you can contact me through personalgreatnessproject.com. I'm easy to get a hold of. Awesome, man. Any closing thoughts? I, I know what world I want my, my son to grow up in. I really do. And I know that to get there, we need to do things differently. It doesn't mean we need a complete overhaul, but we need to do things differently. And that starts with taking a stand for who we want to be, what kind of life we want to live, and what kind of world we want to create. I think if we can do that, I'll go to bed at night feeling a lot better about the world my boy's going to grow up in. 
each person that I get to work with, each person that gets to experience this for themselves and, and start becoming who they're capable of being puts us one step closer to, to creating that world. Um, but I, I can't do this alone and none of us can do this alone. This is so much bigger than one person or one movement or one organization. This is all of us. And I think as soon as we start to understand that it's all of us and the role that we all play in making things better in, in creating change. Um, I think that's, that's that really important first step in making it happen. So I think we're in good hands. I really do. I think we're heading in the right direction, but we need to, we need to make some course adjustments here. And I am thrilled to do my part to make that happen. And I invite everybody to just be a part of it and to first learn how to, and then be living your own personal greatness project. However, that looks for you, however that plays out, but just to be great in your life because you can. Corey Chadwick. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Oliver, thank you, sir. Again, you are awesome.